Welcome to Underground Day Outdoors. This is Kyle Jackson. Uh, Rodney Wood couldn't be here today, but we've got a special guest, my brother Ty Jackson. Say hello. How's it going? Um, <clears throat> we are going to talk about some trapping today. Uh, Ty and I have been, well, spent uh, this morning and a little bit this afternoon uh, prepping traps and I kind of wanted to do a podcast on this because I think it's a fairly under appreciated underused outdoor activity i think there's a lot of stigmatism attached to it i think there's a lot of misinformation out there about trapping and i think um i just like it so <laughs> i wanted to talk about it and uh ty is one of the one of the best trappers i know i know there's a lot of you know good trappers out there but uh he's got a lot of knowledge he's read up on the subject and so welcome to you Thanks. Um, so, Ty, uh, earlier this morning we we spent some time prepping these traps. Um, I guess let's start by talking a little bit about you know the history of trapping here in America. It's it's pretty dadgum uh, a pretty prominent part of our history. Yep, definitely. It's uh, you know the trapping is what opened up most of most of the U.S. Um, to settlement and everything else. You know, the trappers were the first ones in. They were the trailblazers. They were often the ones that uh, were the scouts for for the Army. And, and uh, so, yeah, a lot of history. A lot of history. And uh, like you said, uh, more often than not, they're known as the mountain men. Yep. And uh, I guess uh, that that name still kind of holds true. Uh, we talked about a little earlier on a, on a video that we did that uh, – Trapping's one of those those deals where you actually spend quite a bit more time out and about in the in the outdoors and in the mountains than a lot of times with hunting. Yep. Yeah. You know, you think about most most folks spend well here in New Mexico. You know, a week to to a couple of weeks at the most, usually hunting every fall. And if you uh, if you trap, you know, you got to be out in the woods every day that you got traps set. You got to be checking your traps, and so it's pretty easy to spend every day or at least part of every day for you know three four months outdoors you know seeing what's going on outside um you really you know trappers it takes to be a decent trapper you've got to be able to to pay attention to what's going on around you you got to be able to see the sign and and know know the animals that you're uh that you're after um i hunt i bow hunt and uh trapping is even harder than bow hunting i think you know it's just is one of those things that to get good at it you really have to know the the animals you have to know their habitat and know their habits so let's talk about that real quick because a lot of them you know i i said we want to talk about some of the misconceptions and the misinformation out there about trapping one of them one of the big ones i think and you and i have dealt with this quite a bit with the uh officers association that we're involved with uh, fighting against legislation that is anti-trapping uh, here in New Mexico, but uh, one of the, uh, I think one of the biggest misconceptions out there, and misinformation spun by the anti-hunter trapper groups out there is that trapping is extremely indiscriminate. Right. And that's just not true. That's yeah, that's definitely not true. You know the, the perception that trapping hasn't changed in the last you know 200 years is 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 definitely not true it's not accurate you know you look at the equipment that we use and while it looks uh on its face it looks fairly similar there's been a huge amount of 
advancement made in the equipment that we use and the <coughs> in the techniques and uh, and all of that has helped with both uh, taking care of the animal that we do end up trapping uh, in a better way uh, you know you're using better traps more humane traps and also just the laws you know a lot of people think that there's just no laws that apply to trapping and that's not true either you know this isn't this isn't uh, 1820 this is you know 2018 and and there's a lot of laws uh, New Mexico's uh, got a highly regulated uh, trapping uh, season and so all of the things you have to follow uh, it you know it's all designed to help first of all to prevent over harvest of the animal but also that it that the animals are taken in a humane way the same as any hunting uh, you know or anything else fishing or anything else all the changes are are similar and I'll pick your brain a little bit about this because you you've done trapping a lot more I've kind of dabbled in trapping here and there you know it's it's not terribly cheap to get into but once yep. you get into it, it it's actually a good way to make some some extra money but uh, uh, like I said I'll, I'll kind of lean on you for this but the regulation the the laws that that uh, kind of restrict trappers are almost more stringent and you have more selectability within uh, how you can do it legally than the hunting laws yep it seems like just because not only does every trap have to be marked it has to have the correct jaw size it has to have you know all these different uh, you know stipulations on yep. how to do it you know you think about uh, if, if every piece of your equipment when you were hunting had to be marked and and uh, otherwise it was illegal that would you know that'd be a lot of work for for a hunter and that's what the trappers have to do you got to have everything marked you have to have, have uh, either a trapper ID number or well it's it regardless of what you call it a trapper ID number or your customer identification number either one they're both basically the same same thing two different terms for the same thing here in New Mexico so anytime you get an account with uh, New Mexico Game and Fish um, to buy any sort of license, you got to have an account. And once you get that account, you get a unique customer identification number is what it's called. Right. And uh, that works as your trapper identification. Some of the older folks uh, that have been around, that have been trappers in New Mexico for a while, have a different number that's called, it was specifically called a, a trapper identification number or trap ID number. And that was prior to us having you know a computerized online system for for accounts that was prior to customer identification numbers and so that's kind of another example of how this is always progressing always yep. moving forward because <coughs> excuse me because i remember you know they had to have that trapper id number or you had to have your name address all that stuff right on that tag right and so Again, a good example of, of how this industry is absolutely not uh, stagnant uh, and the same as it was back in, in the Mountain Man days. It is, is moving forward and, and trying to make it easier for people to get out there and do stuff. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's, it's advanced even, even more rapidly than, than maybe it has in the past. You know, we're talking about the Mountain Man days, but even from when I was a kid, uh, the advancements that have been made in, in trap design uh, in order to reduce any injury 
traps to, to the animals that you catch is just phenomenal. I mean, you, you look at one of these traps that we have right here, this, uh, an MB 550, it's, uh, it's one of the most advanced traps ever. I mean, it's it's one of the latest and greatest. It's probably been out on the market for you know somewhere around six years or something like that, seven years. Um, it, it's a it's a trap that you know it, it just comes out of the box, ready to go for for someone to use. It's not a cheap trap, but it is it is a trap that you know if you catch an animal in it, it's going to hold that animal, but it's also not going to injure that animal. So if you decide. Uh, when you get there that that's not a that's not an animal that you want to take for whatever reason you know sometimes you, you turn stuff loose because it's not the species you're after or it's not, not big enough or it's not prime or something like that you want to turn it loose that's a trap that you can catch them uh, when you show up you can uh, you can release them and there's no there's not going to be any permanent injury uh, because of that just because of the way that the trap is designed um, you know you look at the traps that even back in the 70s and 80s <coughs> and some of those had had some pretty significant advancements over pre previous traps uh, but these are you know these are light years ahead of those traps they just they just are, are quality uh, product that uh, will take care of the animal uh, and if you take care of the equipment it'll take care of you forever I mean th this is a piece of equipment that I can probably hand down to my kids uh, at some point if I take care of this trap you know it's just it's gonna be good forever uh, other than replacing maybe some springs. So those of you out there in listening world, we're going to have uh, also, I'm trying to videotape this uh, this podcast, and I hope it works, but uh, at some point we'll have some videos on our YouTube channel at Nada Grande Outdoors, and I'm going to have Ty just kind of take us through the nomenclature of this trap, this MB550, and kind of tell us why that's such a you know advanced trap and 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 the differences between that and some of the old traps so you know a lot of a lot of people when they hear trap they they think in their mind the old you know traps with teeth and the old bear bear trap animal. type yeah you exactly. see in the cartoons it's and all that stuff well yep, and yep. while they did have those yep uh, do you have one out hanging out in your shop your shop I, i've you got a similar i've got one that's similar i don't actually have any bear traps and they they did you you know those were used and but those are those are not legal uh, in New Mexico anymore. They haven't been legal for about 40 years now. They're probably um, not legal in most of the United States. They're not legal in any state in the in the United States, and they haven't been for quite a while. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you look at this this trap here, and, and uh, I realize not everyone can see this, but uh, if you Google uh, just a MB 550 Minnesota brand 550, <clears throat> you can kind of see what we're looking at, but. This is a coil spring type trap. It doesn't have the big long, uh, long springs uh, like the other type of trap does, but it comes with quite a few things that are very advantageous for for uh, taking care of the animal when you do catch it, and then making sure that it's still there, uh, so that you don't show up and and have a, a fired trap with nothing in it. Obviously, that's not what you want either. So a couple things, um, it's got it's got nice levers here. It's got relatively short top on the lever which helps it uh, fire through through the ground uh, it's got good strong springs on it and what you don't want something a trap that's got really weak springs um, you don't need it super strong and these aren't super strong I mean you can you can put your hand in it you can fire it on your hand it's not gonna break your hand it's not gonna break your fingers anything like that I've caught myself I, my boys have caught themselves yeah, your boys um, trap with you and they've caught themselves numerous times if uh, yep. you caught your dog you almost I've, um, ca I've caught all of my dogs yeah. uh, a couple of them I've caught a couple times 
but it, it's not gonna it's not gonna hurt them. Uh, you know, it's like anything else. Uh, if you if you put your hand in it, it's gonna surprise you, and it, that's more than anything. What happens is you get surprised. Um, it it stings, but it doesn't leave any permanent damage. It doesn't break bones. It doesn't break the skin. Nothing like that. But a couple of the things that are really well, I guess I'll go back to why you want strong springs. <clears throat> you don't want you don't want springs that are so powerful that they end up breaking bones or something like that because that's that's not uh, to your advantage as a trapper and it's also not something that you want as a as a humane method of taking animals. But you don't want something that's really weak and the reason you don't and it's a little bit counterintuitive but the reason you don't want something that's too weak if the springs are too weak it allows it allows an animal that's caught in this for their foot to slide back and forth in this in this trap and what that will do uh, in this trap it'd be a little bit tougher to do but it, it's possible in any trap but what you end up doing is if you think about uh, they're going back and forth. It, it's just an uh, abrasion against that skin, and it can end up causing a cut. Well, the thing about, you know, uh, any, any old movie where something is, you know, tied up and they find something to rub it on. Right, exactly. You're going to have the same effect where it's going to cause some sort of uh, even, friction abrasion on that area. Even though it's not sharp, you know, you look at the inside of this jaw, it's rounded. This has got what they call cast jaws, so they're, they're thicker jaws. Um and it's rounded on the edges. There's no sharp edge anywhere here, but just going back and forth will cause that cutting. If you have a, a strong spring like these have, what it will do is it will hold that foot in one position, and that, that will end up with an animal that when you show up and you decide to release it, it's got a, a dent basically on in the, in the fur right there, but no cut, no broken bone, no damage whatsoever. So again, having decent, good, strong springs, um, is, is a benefit. Uh, it's a little bit counterintuitive, but it is a benefit to animal uh, welfare. The second thing is, like I said, the jaws. You look at these jaws, and uh, these are what they call cast jaws, so that has a good wide face on it. And if you think about why you would want a wider face on it, you just think um, of, of a ruler. Take like a, you know, your school uh, from grade school, your ruler, uh, your 12-inch ruler, and if you take the widest portion of that and you push it, two, two of those rulers, and you put your hand in between them and you kind of squeeze it versus taking the narrow edge of that ruler and squeezing it together, if that makes sense. It's just more well, yeah, surface the small, area. The smaller surface area is going to create more pressure right. per square inch exactly. uh, than the wide surface, and so that's why those wide jaws are really nice. Yep. Also why, uh, and we'll get into the offset here in a little bit, but also why the lamination of the jaws is important if you don't have an offset. Right, so if you don't have an offset, you can, or uh, if you don't have a cast jaw, you can, you can create the same thing on any trap by adding what they call lamination, which is just a, a piece of round rod or something, or a flat stock or something that's welded to the top of the jaw or the inside of the jaw or both. And it'll, again, it just increases your surface area. So you just have a wider area pushing uh, or, or holding on that animal's foot. And uh, so another, another advantage to these traps or another uh, advancement in these traps, and this isn't really new, but uh, these have been around for a while, but is the offset. So it's basically when the trap is fully closed, there's a gap in between the jaws. So if you're watching this on, on the video, um, and we'll kind of put these up side to side, and if you look at the top of the jaw, uh, on the right here, the one that I'm holding is not offset, and those jaws are 
flush together. There's no space between them. You can't see anything. And then the jaws that Ty's, are ta Ty's talking about is offset, which means it's got a, a gap in there. I don't know, what is that, a quarter inch gap? Or uh, it's probably, fire. yeah, it's, it's close to a quarter Anyways, inch. Anyways, it's close to a quarter inch. So there's a gap that you can see in between the jaws on the top where the foot would be held, the animal foot would be held, and then they come together along the sides. So that's what he's talking about in the offset. And so in New Mexico, uh, any trap that's got an inside jaw spread of five and a half inches or, or larger has got to be offset. Uh, and that offset has to be at least three sixteenths of an inch, which this obviously is more than that. Um, but again, this is, this is a benefit. And it does a couple things. First of all, it allows, um, it allows a little bit of blood flow uh, to go to that foot when, it, when you do catch an animal so you're not cutting off all of the blood flow. Um, and it also allows these levers to go just a little bit higher and that will prevent uh, an animal from escaping or from, from pulling out of a trap is what they call it. So we talked about that a little bit on, on the other video that we did, but if you look at this, this uh, non-offset, and if an animal foot was in there, these jaws are going to have, or the, the uh, levers are going to be a little bit further down to allow for that animal's foot to be in there versus how high up these are with the offset. And tell us a little bit about why that's an advantage on that offset. So uh, other than, you know, obviously the springs are what hold those levers up, but primarily what's being, what's holding the animal in uh, a trap is not necessarily just spring pressure alone. It's, it's uh, the mechanical advantage of having these levers as high up on the jaws as possible. The higher the better. You know, when they're all the way up, it's fully locked up and there's really the, almost no way if you took a screwdriver and tried to pry, pry these apart, you wouldn't you'd bend the jaws before you'd get the levers to go down. But as the levers go down, the further down they are, the easier it is to get those jaws to pry apart. And these ones are tough just because they've been just recently waxed. Yes, <laughs> they're, they're all closed <laughs> up because we just got done waxing them. But So that's, that's an advantage. That's an advancement uh, that's happened. Um, since, uh, oh, probably the mid-'80s or so, um, the trappers, most of these advancements, trappers have come up with themselves. They weren't mandated by any state. They weren't um, put into law. Um, some of them are put into law now, but it was always after the fact. Uh, trappers have, are really good about coming up with uh, new and inventive ways of, of, of making these traps better. Well, because, you know, they're, they're making money, so why not be as efficient as possible doing it? It's right. just like any private business. If you're not innovating and doing new things and creating a more efficient way of doing it, you're not going to be in business very long. Yeah, and, so and it, you know, it's even uh, some of it's you know some some of the trappers definitely are trapping for money and and uh, but the by and large most trappers uh, they they make uh, a little bit of money back, but I I can pretty well guarantee they don't make enough back to to pay for all their gas and everything. So. They're doing it as, as uh, you know, for recreation and because they enjoy the sport and because they want to be in the outdoors. Um, and so a lot of these advancements are because they they don't want, uh, you know, obviously they don't want a trap that's going to uh, hurt an animal. They don't want a trap that's going to cut a foot off or something like that, like all of the perceptions that you hear, you know, all of the... the you know, urban legends or whatever about traps is, you know, they're just going to cut everything's foot off, um, which really makes no sense from a logical perspective. If I, if I as a trapper 
am interested in catching my animal, it, it has to be there when I show up. It doesn't yeah. do me any good just for, for a trap to cut a foot off. So if I had a trap that did that, I, I would pretty quickly find that that's not a trap I want to use just from a logical standpoint, regardless of whether it's legal or not. Well, I guess from the other standpoint, other than just, you know, making money, making things more efficient is you talk about sweat equity mm -hmm. and the amount of effort it, you know, took for those old traps, those long springs. It, um, I've, I've, you know, used, you've used those, I've used those. These are far more uh, easy to use. And yep. so you talk about efficiency from a sweat equity standpoint. Um, these advancements are fantastic. Yep. So another advancement is uh, kind of this center swivel here. Um, and the reason for that being centered versus you look at this older trap, this trap is probably from the oh, mid-80s or so. Uh, again, it doesn't have the offset. It doesn't have several things. The levers don't quite come as high. Um, it doesn't have a laminated jaw or anything. You've got a pretty narrow jaw when you look at it here. It's not sharp, but it's still narrow. But it, you can see that it's it's uh, where where the chain attaches to the to the frame of the trap is off of the corner here, and on these newer traps, this one this one as well, um, it comes off the center. And the reason for that is so that 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 animal's foot isn't sliding when they hit the end of the chain. You know, obviously when they get trapped, they're going to go back and they're going to hit the end of the chain wherever it's staked off and you don't want that foot sliding in there. And by having it center swiveled, uh, it, can, it can rotate, and no matter where that animal's foot is in the trap, it's not gonna cause it to slide, uh, to slide around in there. And again, the sliding, like we talked about before, if it starts sliding back and forth, that can cause some abrasion, that can cause some cutting, and, and we wanna avoid that. Another thing, you look at some of these old traps, um, and you'll notice that they rarely had more than one swivel if they had any swivels at all in the chain. And these swivels are, are a huge benefit uh, for animal welfare, for, for taking care of everything that you catch in these traps. Uh, and, th and the reason for that is you don't want it to get bound up. So if, if you think about an animal getting caught in a trap and it starts to twist around or spin or try to get away or whatever, and it can bind that trap that can bind that chain up to the point where uh, some of those old old traps uh, could it could cause a broken leg or something like that. You you won't find traps now uh, that come from any manufacturer that don't have swivels. Um, so if you look here, you know if you're watching the video uh, or you know you can uh, go kind of Google or YouTube any any trapping video, but. Um, if you twist this this chain that doesn't have a swivel in it, obviously the more you twist it, the more it's going to kink, the more it's going to bind, and at some point that's going to quit moving, and then that's going to create that right. point where that animal's likely going to break something or tear something or do something like right. that. And those swivels allow it. And you've got multiple in this MB550. You've got at least three swivels on it. I see. Yeah, I've got I've got three swivels, which actually gives me six swivel points because each swivel has two points that can move. And the more swivels, uh, the better, uh, you know, within reason, but I, I wouldn't do less than two uh, on, on any trap if I were setting them up myself. Uh, I like three. Um, three works pretty well on this one just because in between here, you can see I've got a, a spring, a shock spring. And that shock spring is, again, another advancement here in the last probably 20 years, 15, 20 years. 
um, that trappers came up with um, that helps reduce injury to, to any animal that you catch. And what this does is it's basically a shock absorber. So instead of it having a hard jerk when it hits the end of the chain, um, because again, you're catching a wild animal and so it's, it's uh, surprised and, and it's trying to, trying to get out of the trap and it's trying to leave. And so when it's trying to leave, it's hitting the end of this. When it's hitting the end of this, this basically just gives a cushion. Um, so it's not just a hard jerk, it's, it's more of a, uh, you know, kind of a spring there, there right at the end. And it reduces, uh, the goal of this is to reduce injury. It's to reduce foot injury and shoulder injury um, on anything that you catch. But I would imagine additionally it's, it's uh, rather, than, or besides just reducing the injury, Obviously, if you don't have that hard jerk, you're going to have less animals get out of the trap. Sure. Yeah, you know, it, it, it helps. It helps from that point uh, perspective. It also helps keep your anchoring system solid. If, you know, if you're staked off or something like that, um, you know, it, usually you're staking into the ground with, with a variety of different types of stakes, and, and not all ground is the same. Some ground is, is pretty hard, and, and it'll hold a stake and some of it's not not so hard you know you get into some sandy country or, or just some loose soil um, it may be hard to keep a stake there and the shock spring will kind of help keep that stake there because again you would you don't want you know an ethical trapper um, for a variety of reasons not the least of which is the animal uh, the, the welfare of the animal you don't want uh, an animal leaving your trap site with a trap on its foot that's not good for the animal it's not good for you as a trapper, um, not to mention it's expensive. You know, you, you talk about losing this trap. As it's set up here, this is almost $30 worth of equipment, not including your stake. So you wouldn't want to lose that. You definitely don't want the animal out there with this on it. You want to be able to either release that animal or harvest that animal. Um, so all of this uh, is, is, you know, we use this to to improve trapping and to to. Uh, be more eff effective, more efficient, and also uh, improve the welfare uh, of those animals that we catch in case we do want to release them. Um, I guess the final thing is just be the the ring here at the end. These are just uh, jumbo lap links, um, but there's several different things you can use for these. But I like these just from the perspective of uh, often I will cross stake, uh, and that is so that I don't lose a trap. I've never lost a trap. Um, you know, with an animal in it, and I don't, I don't want to ever lose one. I uh, want that animal to be there when I show up, so that I can, I can either, like, say, release it or, or harvest it. Um, these, these lap links here will, are they're big enough? They'll allow two stakes to go through here, or one stake if the ground is hard enough. But I'll, I, I'll usually use two stakes, and uh, that will ensure that I keep that animal there. And so, for for anybody out there who isn't familiar with trapping, if if um, usually you're, you're using a, a stake. There's some people, you've got some drags and things like that, mm -hmm. but uh, most of the time you're going to stake that stake that uh, trap uh, in place so that whenever that animal gets caught, uh, they don't go anywhere. You can find them and you're not having to look for them or anything like that. But the cross stake is where you use two stakes and you drive it in opposing directions. Right. That way, you know, if, if you get a, a pretty good, you know, if you get an animal who's pretty, you know, vigorous, you just have one stake they can go round and round and kind of wallow that out especially in soft ground yep. and that's cross staking allows allows you to keep that um, keep that trap 
in place because any direction that they pull on those stakes is going to have some opposing, uh, I guess, keeping power. Yep. So uh, another thing, just for those of you that are in New Mexico, in particular the southwestern portion of New Mexico, um, we we do have the Mexican gray wolves, and so as part of, uh, you know, and they're federally they're protected. they're they're an endangered species, a federally endangered species. They're also, uh, I believe, they're a state endangered species. But yeah. you, uh, for if you're going to trap in that part of the state where there where there are wolves. Um, you need to exercise what they call due care, um, and and cross staking or or anchoring it off solid via you know a, a variety of different ways, but uh, cross staking is one of them. Is due care. You you know again, you don't want to cause any injury to to that species uh, if you do accidentally catch catch one in a coyote set or something like that. Um, usually, uh, for those of you that don't know much about trapping, uh, your, your sets. People think about traps as being pretty indiscriminate, but they can actually be very discriminate on the species, uh, on the species caught, and maybe even the age of the species caught, depending on how you set it, where you set it, and how you have your trap set up. Um, so, you know, when it comes to things like a wolf, uh, similar species use use the country the same way uh, or similar ways. So, a coyote and a wolf. Uh, use the same travel corridors they they visit the same types of places um where so basically when you're setting a trap you're if you're going to set a trap for a coyote in wolf country uh them being canine species you know uh, not just canine species but fairly closely related canine species those places where you would set a trap for a coyote are likely going to be places that a wolf would also use because they use terrain and look for food in similar ways yes it's you know it's definitely a possibility um you know the the wolf population in the state right now isn't terribly high um so the odds of you catching catching one just based on numbers is not very high but if you do a few things uh you can ensure that you're that you're not going to be in any sort of trouble if you do end up catching a wolf and you're also not going to cause any injury to that wolf um, that's the, both of those things should be kind of a paramount concern for you if you're if you're trapping in that part of the state. And so for most of the stuff we are we're talking about those who are going to do it legally. Obviously, there's those who do it outside the law, and we're not talking about that. Those guys most of the time don't know what they're doing. They're just out there for a quick buck. They're not uh, in it for the conservation. They're not in it for the right reasons. And so again, what we're talking about is doing this legally and 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 you were talking about how species specific you can be. Yep. Walk us through what in this trap allows you to do that. Well, so there's there's a, a bunch of different things that can allow you to be more species specific. Um, and the, the first is where, where you decide to set that trap. Uh, like I said just a minute ago, the place where I would make a coyote uh, set is not the same place often, you know, usually it is not the same type of place where I would make a fox or, uh, or definitely a bobcat type set. Um, there's a few things uh, when it comes to the traps themselves that, that you can, can make you much more specific so that you're not catching uh, things you don't, you don't want to be catching. Um, you know, you, I, I hear a lot of folks talk about, you know, they're catching every rabbit or, or they've heard about someone who caught a bunch of rabbits in their traps 
and there's no reason for you to be catching rabbits. Um, if you do just a little bit of uh, a little bit of work in the preseason, uh, you won't catch any any non-targets. Um, and one of the things that you can do is, first of all, buy a quality type of trap that'll allow you to make some of these adjustments. If this this 550 here, it does not have uh, a uh, a screw that holds the pan. And most of these traps, most modern traps have a screw right in here that uh, will hold the pan and you can either tighten it or loosen it based on the species that you're after. So if you think about what a coyote weighs versus what a fox weighs, uh, for example, if, if, uh, if the average New Mexico coyote weighs 20 pounds uh, and the average you know, gray fox in the state weighs, I don't know, five pounds maybe, um, there, that's a huge difference. And so it, by just tightening the pan, to four to five pounds, I will catch all of my coyotes, but I will not, uh, a fox will almost never be able to fire this trap. Um, and you can probably think about that pan tension, especially if you're a shooter, think about that pan tension like a, the poundage on a trigger. It's exactly, that's exactly how it works. It's how much it takes, you know, how many pounds it takes before it moves. And just like in a good trigger, you don't want a lot of movement. You don't want a lot of creep in that. Um, you want it when it fires you you want it to be a short quick movement and uh it goes at that whatever that poundage is and then that's where it breaks and, and it uh it'll fire the trap just like in your gun so what um just because you mentioned it uh, we'll touch on it real quick but uh if you if you've got that creep generally what what's going to happen if you've got that creep in that pan if you've got creep in your pan it's it's not a good thing because what you'll end up doing is you may end up spooking an animal it can feel when it steps on it and it feels a little soft and they they may not step on it long enough or hard enough for the trap to fire or they start to feel it move and they come off of it and you're going to miss animals um so you don't that's not uh that's not how you want to have them set up you want to have them set up where most of my traps are night latched. This MB550 is, uh, it comes from the factory night latched. Uh, and there, you know, I don't even know what that is. It's a tiny little amount uh, of movement. But it shouldn't have, just like in your trigger, it shouldn't have any movement until it goes. Yeah. And when it goes, it should just be a short movement and the trap will fire. And so I don't know if you guys, uh, if you're watching the video, I don't know if you can see it, but on this MB550, there's just a little groove right here at the end, very end of the, what they call the dog. And that's where, you know, this goes under, this jaw is gonna come down and go under this. So the pressure is pushing this dog upward, but then that pan, when you set it and it comes down, you can hear that click and that's the night latch. That's what he's talking about when he says night latch. It's just, uh, sets that pan to the you know exactly where you need it so it's going to be a smooth uh, crisp break just like a trigger would um, on this other bridger here uh, if you can kind of see the profile of it it's got a, a little indentation on the back side it's been punched it's got a little uh, rise there and so the pan does the same thing when that jaw comes down and creates pressure uh, it creates that night latch so that it's a nice smooth break so even though uh, we've been talking about this 550 quite a bit, even though this 550, I can't, uh, it doesn't have a, a screw or a bolt to tighten for my pan tension, um, just because 
the the makers of this type this particular trap are are uh, you know they they make some of the best traps available. Uh, they know what they're doing, and the way that they designed this trap, it actually comes with pan tension, even though there isn't a bolt or a screw there to tighten. It, and you can change it if you want to. You know, you can bend basically the dog, which is this little piece that flips up that holds your jaw down. Uh, you can bend the dog either up or down, and it will change your pan tension either up or down, depending on what you want to do. If you decided you wanted to, for whatever reason, uh, forecoil it, which is put another set of uh, coils on this on the on the other side here, uh, it would automatically increase your pan tension by about double. Um, so it would take it from you know it's somewhere around three pounds to up around five six pounds. And that's designed that way because the higher tension you get, probably the more jaw strength you're going to need to hold the animal that you're looking for. Yep, potentially, you know, and and. Uh, what I've found is in, in New Mexico, um, as long as you're not dealing with really hard frozen ground type of conditions, uh, two coils work pretty well most of the time. Uh, there's just not much, uh, not much true need for for a four coil. Some traps come four coiled, and and that some some traps that's the only way you can get them, and they're they're fine. I've got some of those. They're they're really nice traps, uh, but it's not necessarily needed, and so that's an extra expense that. Maybe you don't want to spend, uh, especially just getting just getting started in trapping because it is so expensive because you have to have so much equipment. So I'm glad you 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 talked about that. I think uh, <clears throat> I want to talk a little bit more about that since you know if you never trapped before, what is uh, you know a dozen of these traps cost? You know, kind of what are you looking at to get into trapping from the beginning, um, especially if you're trying to do it on your own. You know, I I thankfully have you as a resource that that I can use to kind of uh, bounce ideas off of but if you're trying to get into it on your own what are you looking at just to kind of get into it well it's it's not necessarily a, a cheap endeavor um, but it will pay I will say it'll pay just like anything uh, if you buy if you buy quality you uh, you'll only cry once um, so it depends on exactly what what you're looking for what your uh, how serious you think you're going to be I will say that these, this trap right here, which is this uh, Bridger uh, 1.75 or one and three quarter, it's kind of a square jaw. Um, this is a nice little trap. It's not, it's offset, but it's not laminated. In New Mexico, it doesn't, this size trap doesn't need to be laminated. Uh, it doesn't even need to be offset, but I would recommend the offset. Um, but that's a nice entry level trap that'll, that will catch and, and hold all of our, our legal species. Um, pretty easily and that trap is going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, you know 80 to 90 dollars a dozen uh, depending on where and when you get them you can get them on sale for about 80 dollars I think normally they're about 90 dollars a dozen so how many traps do you have personally uh, I've got a, probably a couple hundred okay so <clears throat> and but you do some a little bit of long line trapping in the in the fall where you take a week off and you actually go and you trap and, and do things like that yep for the everyday common guy about how many traps would you recommend to start out with uh, you know I'd, i would recommend just starting out with one dozen uh maybe even just a half dozen and and see if you like it if you like it you can always get more um and and you don't have to get the 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 best in the whole world um but these traps are a nice trap that you can do just a little bit of 
work on as far as you know like tighten up your pan to the right tension and you're pretty well ready to go you know you boil and dye them and wax them and you're ready to go uh, maybe add a, a lap link to the end and that's about it um, some of these other traps you know this this five mb 550 is a really nice trap uh, this is this is probably one of the best traps out there um, especially for coyotes i really like it for coyotes um, and it's it's a really well-made trap it will last you forever if you take care of it uh, but they're around two hundred dollars a dozen so they're quite a bit more expensive i've got some other traps that i i, I use uh, um, that are even more expensive than that they're about three almost three hundred dollars a dozen um, but it just depends on where you're trapping how much you're trapping and, and really what you like it a lot of this stuff is personal preference you know what i what i like may not be what you like and that's okay that's why they make different kinds of traps yeah for sure and so besides the trap you're gonna you're gonna want to get um you know dye and wax uh let's talk about that real quick why do you need those so the dye is really to it's it's to what it does visually is it'll turn your traps black and uh, for those of you that are watching the video you can see how these traps are nice and black we just dyed them just waxed them um, if you look, I've got one that's from, this one has not been done yet, and you can just see it was done last year, but this after a year, you know, or not a year, but after being in the ground for a few weeks uh, over the fall and winter uh, in a few different places, it gets muddy, uh, the wax gets worn off, it kind of gets a little bit uh, shiny, it gets a little bit rusty, and so you want to take care of these again. If you take care of them, they'll last forever uh, for the most part except for your springs, and those are easy to replace. They're cheap to replace. So your, your dye will turn it black or brown. Uh, if you use you know, a speed dip or anything, you can get different colors, but uh, most of them are gonna be black. And that's really to keep it from being, you know, from keep it from rusting, to get rid of some of that rust. Um, it also sort of acts as a little bit of camouflage, I guess, if your trap were to get uncovered for whatever reason, um, but that's basically what it does. And as you're dyeing it, you're boiling it, which is removing scent. Uh, you're getting rid of all the scent that's that's attached to this trap. You know, it's it may have um, salt, it may have you know oil, it may have you know a little bit of grease. It may smell like you because you've been handling it with your hands. So it'll get rid of all of that. Um, and then after after you get done uh, boiling and dyeing them, you're gonna wax them. Or or I I like to wax my traps. Some guys don't like to do it. I do. Um, I feel like it does a couple things for me. The first is that it uh, it really will preserve this trap. It'll keep it from getting rusty. You know, you, you think about trapping in the fall and the winter. It's you know it's snowing, it's raining, the ground's wet, and you put one of these traps in the ground. It's a piece of metal. If you don't have that wax on there, it's it's going to take about two three days before it's rusted. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't work as well when it's rusted. Uh, the pan may not come down. The levers may not go up. The 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 jaws may not want to close. So waxing will help preserve that, preserve your metal. The second thing it does is it acts as just a little bit of lubricant. So it's not metal on metal uh, when this trap is trying to close. Uh, and and you, want it to, you want your traps to fire quickly. Um, you, don't want, uh, you don't want a slow or delayed fire, which can cause uh, uh, catches that are not uh, not yeah. ideal. You instead don't want of the instead of the foot or the, or you know the, the, the get, catching the whole foot or the, the all the pad, you catch a toe or exactly. something like that. Yeah, you don't you don't want to catch just a toe. You don't want to catch uh, you know just a couple of toes. You want to be able to catch a full pad, which is you know basically right right there at that heel pad. 
and so that lubrication will help it fire uh, and, and quickly. So, um, with the dyeing and waxing, it's going to take a little bit of time. Um, this this is one of those things where you know it's not it's not a overnight deal. You've got to spend some time prepping uh, to 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 do this. Yep. I think the dyeing and waxing of how many traps? Oh, we probably did a couple dozen. So a couple dozen traps took us about three hours. Now it wouldn't take you any longer to do more traps. We just didn't have enough wax to right. to kind of keep going. But it's the heating up of the of the uh, barrel uh, and the water to dye them that kind of took the longest amount of time. Uh, but uh, well worth the effort. What what does this do for you longevity wise? Is through the season down the years. Yeah, I mean, it basically, like I say, you, you don't ever want these getting so rusty uh, that they're just not usable anymore, that uh, that they start falling apart or, or you have such deep rust in them that they start flaking, they, the metal becomes structurally unsound. And, and by taking care of these traps, I, I usually just do my traps once a year, all my traps. Um, I'll boil and dye them and wax them once a year, and that will get me by for, for a whole year. And the amount of dye it'll take, I use just a logwood dye. Um, it's, it's, you know, I don't even remember how much it is. It's cheap. It's like a couple of bucks for a, a pound bag of it. I may use two to three pounds of it. Um, so a couple of packages. And then uh, your wax, you know, it's expensive to buy at first, um, but, it's, but it lasts. You know, you don't use, uh, use very much of it. So once you have it, you can reuse it year after year as long as you don't burn it. And uh, so a, a lot of this stuff, it's an expensive upfront investment, but later on, uh, you don't, you know, once you buy your traps, you don't have to buy them again. Um, once you buy wax, you, you will have to buy more wax at some point, but it'll last you quite a while. You know, you buy 10 or 15 pounds of wax, it's going to last a long time. That will wax a lot of traps. Yeah. <clears throat> so <clears throat> I want to talk about something I know you're pretty, uh, you get pretty hot about uh, Colorado went away from these foothold traps and they went to only the box traps, which people call live traps. Right. And, you know, the argument from, you know, those who see these fluffy, cute little animals getting caught is, oh, it's more humane to use those quote unquote live traps. What do you say to that? It it may or may not be. Um, you know, it, it just depends on the species. The, there's a few uh, significant disadvantages to using a, a cage-type trap. Um, I do, uh, I, I don't like hearing cage traps called live traps because all of these traps uh, that we're talking about today, these foothold traps, they're all live traps. I mean, they're designed to catch and hold that animal until you get there. Um, and, and they're not going to kill that animal. And you can release it if it's a non-target species. It, in fact, in New exactly. Mexico, you are required to carry a catch pole or something that you can use to release non-target species. Right. Yeah, it's, it's illegal for you to trap without a, uh, a device to release an, uh, unwanted animals. Um, but, yeah, it's, you know, the, the cage trap, uh, it's not, you know, people think of it as being a, a more humane uh, method of capture and it, it is a humane method of capture but it is not without its disadvantages you can have animals in there um, that that are fighting that cage uh, so much that they end up hurting themselves um, in particular it seems like 
uh, a lot of animals will want to bite that cage and you'll end up with a, a broken tooth or something like that. So it, it's not a, it's not a fail safe. Um, I, I don't usually see any damage to the animals when I catch them with a foothold. Um, and, and a lot of times, even a cage, I won't see necessarily damage, but usually when I do see damage, it's usually to the, to the head or mouth or, or face where that animal has been rubbing against that cage um, trying to get out or it's been biting that cage and it's broken a tooth or something like that. So well, you talk about the technolo technological advances in these, in these foothold traps where, you know, they've got this spring to, uh, when, to lessen that, that, you know, uh, I guess the shock shock yep. uh, that of them hitting the end of that where you really don't have that advantage in those box traps because nope. they can get you know full on and hit the end of the box trap and then they go the other way as soon as you show up and right. so you don't have some of that stuff um so yeah <clears throat> i that's uh that's interesting as well so these these are all live traps because they hold that animal right are there traps in, 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 or things, implements that you use in trapping that are not live traps? Yeah, you know, you can use a couple of different uh, types of traps. So there's, you know, any of the body gripping traps are, uh, people commonly call them conibear traps, but that's, uh, that's a brand name. That's a brand name. Um, but but those are, those are uh, killing type traps. And, and in New Mexico, really, um, except for the really small ones, um, they're, you have to use those in water. Those are typically water-type uh, traps for beaver, beaver muskrat, muskrat, things like that. Um, on land, about the only the only one um, that you that that people will use is a snare, and, and snares are legal in New Mexico. Um, again, you have to you have to use them carefully um, because, like anything, you know you 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 don't want to catch something. Uh, you know a non-target in one of these or or well, this is where it comes back to and and we're going to spend some time with you in the field actually doing some trapping later on in the fall yep but this is where knowing your animal knowing its patterns uh being able to set this uh will will be the discriminating factor here yes because this will catch anything that walks through it, it yeah it, it will but there's even this uh, is not necessarily I won't say it's not indiscriminate because you, you can catch anything in this but there's some things on here that I've I built this snare myself and there's some some ways to build these where even if you catch something you don't necessarily want to catch um, it, it doesn't end up in a bad situation and so for example a lot of times um, with snares in particular, you're setting those on trail type situations, you know, that the animal is walking down a trail and you're catching them. Um, what you don't want to do is you don't want to end up with an elk or a deer foot snared in one of these because obviously this is going to be set at the height of a predator, which is, you know, less than two feet off the ground. Most, well, all of your deer and, and your elk, um, that's about knee high on all of those. So uh, typically what we'll see is uh, a deer or an elk would catch a foot or cattle uh, or horses or livestock any type of livestock if they're using those trails um, and they step in one of these uh, and it comes around their foot you this is a bad situation obviously you don't want this you don't want a deer or an elk uh, hung up by the foot with with your snare or cable restraint so those snares are designed so that they can 
closed but not open, and so that's exactly. why it's not like this this offset jaw where they it still allows some blood flow. If that closes, and the more they fight against it, uh, the tighter it gets, right. and so it's designed so that it if you know it, it doesn't open. Yep. So what you, <clears throat> what you can do, uh, and this isn't this isn't required um, in New Mexico, um, but I would definitely recommend anyone using snares in, or cable restraints in New Mexico. I would highly recommend that you use these. Um, so you can see there's a little S-hook right here, those of you that are watching this. Um, and this S-hook is what's called a breakaway. And it breaks away, I, I believe these are 285 pounds uh, of pressure. So when, once an animal gets caught, if it hits the end of this snare with 285 pounds of pressure or more, it will open this S-hook. That S-hook will blow apart and it will leave that animal can leave the set, can leave that location with no part of the snare attached to them. So you're not going to end up with... It's basically um, a safety mechanism. Exactly, exactly. And so the reason 285 pounds is because most coyotes can't hit the end of these uh, with more than that. Right. Um, so you, again, where you set it, how you set it, that little safety device, you can also, um, this one doesn't have it, some of mine do, but they'll have a, a little nut put on here and just smashed flat, kind of like this barrel is. Um, you can see here, it's, it's just like that, only it'll be down here about four or five inches from the end um, on the lock side, and that's what's called a deer stop. And what it'll do is when it comes tight, it can't pass that point. Let's say that that nut is right here. It can't pass that, so it can't tighten down be past that point. Uh, and the reason, again, is so that that won't tighten down around a deer's foot. And obviously that's going to be small enough to, to hold a coyote. Sure. Um, and you can set these up. You know, a lot, of, uh, a lot of people consider snares lethal, and snares typically are, but they're also what's called a uh, uh, cable restraint, which it basically is designed to catch and hold them like a leash, um, and, and it's not designed to, to kill them. So it depends on the lock that you're using. Uh, this one... Is, uh, is a non-relaxing lock, um, but some of them have a relaxing lock, and so it will, it will hold them, but it won't kill them. Um, in New Mexico, some states require that they be uh, uh, cable restraint, some, some don't. New Mexico is one of those that doesn't. Um, we don't have a lot of folks that use snares, and I don't use snares very much, um, but I do use snares on occasion. And, and uh, if you're going to use them, you need to know how to use them, and you need to use them responsibly. Uh, this isn't something that you're going to set up, uh, you know, in, in a neighborhood. None of these are. Uh, you know, if you're if you're trying to trap, uh, you're just getting into trapping, and you live in a subdivision or something, that's a recipe for disaster. It doesn't matter what you're using. You know, it's just <laughs> like it's just like hunting in a in a subdivision. It's just not a good idea. Um, so you you need to be in a place where you can legally do it and. And sometimes you can legally do it in that subdivision, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you should do it. Absolutely. it's it's uh, gets into that uh, moral gray area of, you know, like uh, ground pounding, you know, game birds or yep. and things like that. Uh, just because you can do it doesn't necessarily mean that you should do it. Right. And, that, and especially with trapping, because you aren't there all the time. Uh, you don't necessarily know what all is going to happen. 
uh, in between when you left your trap and when you came back and checked your trap. You need to be very conscious of where you set them and you need to be very conscious of setting them legally and responsibly. You know, uh, first of all, legally, you need to be in a place where you legally can do it um, and follow all of the laws. But, but then even beyond that, when it is legal, um, but, it, but you, rec you recognize it's not necessarily a great idea, that's a good chance to, to just pass that location up or use a different technique or a different tool. So in a place where I might not want to use a snare, I might be totally comfortable using a foothold yeah. um, or, or vice versa. It just depends. So, so let's talk about, we've only got a couple of minutes left here um, that I want to talk about the conservation side of it. You know, hunting is conservation, fishing is conservation, and I feel like trapping is left out of that converse, conversation oftentimes. But trapping is conservation. What are what are you doing when you're when you're targeting those animals? Well, I anytime you're you're not uh, taking animals that there's, uh, you know, we're not talking about endangered species here. We're talking about species that are very prolific, species that are abundant, species that are, uh, you know, that there are definitely healthy populations of. Um, trapping, uh, neither trapping nor hunting, uh, legal hunting, regulated hunting, or legal or regulated trapping have resulted in uh, the extinction or extermination of any species uh, of fur bear. Um, you Quite know, the opposite. Usually you are able to expand the range of that animal because those that money from hunting, fishing related activities right. goes back to habitat. And and uh, sometimes it'll go back to habitat, but sometimes, you know, trapping has been used uh, for a variety, for the restoration of a variety of species. You know, you look at river otter in New Mexico, those river otter were caught using foothold traps and they were brought back to New Mexico and they were released and reintroduced into the state. That's a species that we wouldn't have here um, had it not been for the use of foothold traps. Um, the same can be said of the, the Mexican gray wolf. Um, foothold traps is how they caught all of the seven originating uh, or, or the seven original. original wolves that all of the wolves that are left today come from. And they still use in that program, in, in, uh, they still use the foothold trap when they're trying to catch uh, a wolf so that they can radio collar or so that they can take samples from it or for whatever reason it's one of their techniques to use. And the reason for that is, is because it's an efficient and it's an effective and it is a humane method of catching those animals. Um, you don't, they, you wouldn't use that if it was, if it was going to be harmful to the animal and it's all in how you use them. You know, it's like anything, it can be abused, uh, but if you're using it the way that you're supposed to, the way that it's designed, uh, you, you shouldn't be hurting those animals. Um, trapping is a huge benefit to uh, a variety of other species, you know, you look at a lot of our birds, our ground nesting birds, if we didn't have trapping uh, to help uh, regulate a little bit of the predator population, uh, whether it's skunks or raccoons or, or fox or even coyotes, um, we may have a real problem with some of our ground nesting bird populations. And you look at some of these states where a lot of waterfowl nesting happens, um, skunks and, and raccoons are a huge predator on those nests. Um, so trapping can help with that. It can also help just keep that population from completely getting out of hand. Um, at some point, nature would control itself. Uh, nature would 
reduce that population, but those are often violent, they're huge you know, boom swings. and bust type of swing, right? Right, they're huge <clears throat> swings, so you don't want, we're trying to avoid those huge swings where we get a huge population and then no population because they've all died off. We want to kind of stay in that middle ground. And uh, trapping, uh, regulated trapping, uh, licensed trapping in the state of New Mexico and, and everywhere that it's uh, that it exists currently um, is it pays, you know, obviously everyone's got to have a license, they've got to have all their stamps, they've got to have all of that stuff, they've got to follow all of these laws. Um, it pays for wildlife conservation it, and it's, uh, it's a benefit to all of those species. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us, Ty. I really appreciate your knowledge and stuff. Want to do another one of these. Guys, follow us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and uh, we'll have some uh, YouTube videos as well. Uh, again, thanks, Ty. Appreciate it. You bet.